button now. Good morning. Oh, you would think that red light on means mute. Sorry, one moment. Oh, here we go. Morning, everyone. Morning. Oh, it's kind of cold. Hey, um, does anyone else love a feud? Like not being in a feud, but like reading about a feud. I love, okay, I don't love like when there's violence, but I love like learning the extents that people will go to for a cause that they love, right? Something that they're sold out for. And there's, the world is full of famous feuds. Normally it's always a good versus evil, but not all the time. There are a, a select few. Some of the famous ones I came up with, and I think we've looked at some of these before in other weeks, Marvel versus DC, right? That's a, there's a feud there. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Marvel and DC are comic book brands. DC has like Batman and Superman and Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, yeah. yeah. They're all friends. And then Marvel has like Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. They're all friends. But they don't exist in the same place. They're in different universes. Now, most people are pretty relaxed with the whole thing. They, they kind of like both, even though Marvel's better. They like both and, you know. But there are like a, a core sold-out few who just despise the other group, right? They're, they're just Batman till they die. And the other guy's like, I'm Iron Man till I die and I hate you. And like, it's a bit of fun, but they're sold out to the cause. Star Wars, everyone's heard of Star Wars, seen Star Wars. The Rebellion versus the Empire, right? Two rival factions. Now, in this case, it is a good versus evil. Does anyone identify with the Empire more? They're just all about the... Yeah, Mark loves it. He would too. But the Rebellion are meant to be the good guys, right? Fighting the forces of evil and the, the Sith. And For my street friends, there's the Bloods and the Crips. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Two rival street gangs that the feud literally ends in bloodshed. They they kill each other. This we're getting we're moving down the extreme, you know. But in America, that's a big deal. The and I was reading a fair bit about them this week. It's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if any. I'm not going to go into it this morning. But the whole where that all came from, super interesting. Yeah. Anyway, read it for yourself. Look at look it up. The Hatfields and the McCoys. Does anyone know about them? Okay, this one I will share with you because I was very excited. Right? So the Hatfields and the McCoys. I'm sure we've all heard it talked about. The rival families that live in the Appalachian Mountains on opposite sides of the river. They were moonshiners. And when I first started looking at them, I thought they were just like full hillbilly families that just fought each other all the time. But there was actually... They were, most of them were quite well off. They got like, a lot of the feud was fought out in court. There was people arrested and, but it all started during the civil war and someone killed someone's uncle's pappy and then all of a sudden these two families fought for decades. Real tit for tat, like, well, we shoot one of your guys in the leg and so you kidnap a few of our brothers and it just went on forever. It's ended now and, you know, they, they made up and... They did these game shows. They did Family Feud, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Like it's the really, the later generations have embraced the, but what was interesting is they all like, because there was so much 
animosity between them. They married into each other's families. Like it was a real Romeo and Juliet. Anyway, look it up. It's pretty interesting. There's also one other famous feud that I'm sure some of you would know. (laughs) And it's a feud between the Israelites and the Samaritans. The the Jews and the Samaritans. And we hear about this uh, feud all through the Bible. I'm sure if you've been around for a little while, you would have heard of the the Samaritan woman at the well and Jesus gives her water and she's freaking out because she's like, oh, I'm not meant to talk to you. But that feud goes all the way back to the time of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and what King Nebuchadnezzar would do when he was taking over the nation, he would take large populaces of um, people and he would displace them from their home and, and plant them somewhere else so that they could never sort of join together and come up against him. So they, he took most of the Israelites and settled them in Babylon and left the old and the frail and the, and the sick. Um, but he also left a lot of the clergymen, the priests and the, the Levites that were in the temple to look after them. So during that time, the remaining Israelites joined in with the Samaritans. They married into each other. They traded with each other. And since that time, the Jews always saw the Samaritans as a, I'm pretty sure it's referred to as like a half-breed. They're really... The animosity between them was so intense, they just saw them as lesser people, even more so than just your normal unbelievers. They really hated each other. To the point where the, whenever the Samaritans were building a new temple, the Jews would go and throw a dead pig into the construction site. And so they would have to take the pig out and go through weeks of ceremonial cleansing because the site was unclean. It was a real petty but also dangerous feud. They hated each other. That's important context for what we're going to look at now. We're going to look uh, in Luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37. And, And again, if you've been around for a little while, you would have heard this story, but it's the story of the good Samaritan. So it's going to be on the screen, but if you'd like to open up your Bibles or your phones, you can read along. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, put him being Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, I shall love the Lord your God, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. With these three, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Uh, 
He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Everyone's kind of heard that story before, or at the very least has heard of the saying, a good Samaritan. Let's pray real quick and then we'll... Jesus, um, I just pray that as we explore your word this morning, that you would just reveal to us truths in our own lives that are uh, uh, applicable to, to living a life in eternity with you. We just pray you would open our hearts, open our ears, clear our mind of the week that was so that we can hear from you this morning. Uh, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So quick bit of context, Jesus is sort of doing his like a best of series through Luke. He's doing a one night only Q&A um, and this lawyer stands up and, and asks him. They would have been in a group setting. But in these accounts of Luke, there's, there's a lot of famous parables that we would have looked at before as a church community. And it's important that we understand that in the opening verses, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the eternal that is used, the word in Greek, and I'm going to butcher this, ionos, ionios. You know when you listen to it on YouTube and it sounds really ionios, ionios. And so the the Greek word ionios is referring to an age having a particular character. So what the lawyer is asking here is, what must I do to have my life right now live like a life in eternity? What must I do to live right now to have the Holy Spirit working through my life? That's what the the teacher is asking. So not just what must I do to get into heaven and live forever, but what must I do to live right now a life of eternity? So that's, that's an important thing to remember. Keep that in the back of your mind. We're coming back to it. But what I love about this, um, this parable, and it's like this with a lot of parables, that's why they're parables, is that we can relate to pretty much all of the characters at some point during our life. The priest and the Levite. When the man, well, we don't even know if you saw it. When the priest and the Levite passed by the man, you would think that would be the end of the story. Two men who have devoted themselves to doing the work of God in their life. The priest are... are man of God who's devoted to teaching compassion and love and the law of God, the Levite who was consecrated by God back in, in the Old Testament to be the, the group of people that serve and do his work. Two people who we would expect would have no issue helping this man. Now, depending on which theologian or which commentary you read, they give lots of excuses as to why they couldn't have helped. They were priests and they were in the church so they couldn't come into contact with a, with a dead body that would make them unclean but we read that they're coming from Jerusalem to Jericho so you would think that their time in the church has been finished so that's actually not a good excuse whatever it is if we put ourselves in the shoes of the priest and the Levite we come up with excuses at times right when someone needs our help, we come up with excuses to not help them. We've all done that at some point in our lives. And so Jesus is using these examples in the parable to, to show us that there are times in our life where we come up with excuses to be able to not help or have compassion or have mercy on our neighbour. 
but also to highlight that these two men, like the lawyer, would have known how the law was written. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love thy neighbour as thyself. But I think what Jesus is getting at is there's an interpretation that we have to make in every situation of whether the decision we're making, the choice we're making, goes to the heart of what Jesus wants for our life. Jesus wants us to have mercy and compassion on everyone. Now, although that's not specifically written, there's something that we need to do within ourselves to think about is our action in this moment in keeping with the Jesus that I know and love. You with me so far? So the two men that should have been able to easily help the man on the side of the road had an excuse. It's an interpretation that we have to make in the moment to see whether our decision is at the heart of what Jesus wants. So we can identify with the priest and the Levite. We can identify with the man. So although this is a parable and it's not a real story that we know of, it's a relatively uh, easy one to have actually lived out. And so what's interesting about what Jesus identifies about the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho is that the journey was quite treacherous. And often people would do it in groups. They wouldn't do it alone because it was dangerous. Jerusalem was about 2,500 feet above sea level. And then there's sea level. And then Jericho was about 800 feet below sea level. So the journey was through a dangerous mountain path. Jericho was surrounded by an oasis, which made it appealing to settle there. But the journey was quite dangerous, not often done by one person alone. So we can see that the man was clearly reckless in taking this journey on his own. Maybe he made some mistakes, whatever it was, he made a reckless decision and then found himself on the side of the road praying that someone would see him in his time of need. And so my question this morning is, do, how often do we identify as the man? Have you ever found yourself in a time of need praying that someone would just see you on the side of the road? That would just see what you need in that moment and be the Samaritan for you? Because it, everyone's road from Jerusalem to Jericho can look different, Right? It can be something that's completely unseen. It can be maybe some mental health problems, busy at work that flows into something else. But although the road looks different, the outcome still needs to be the same. We're still on the side of the road hoping that someone will see us in that time of need. And I think there's no denying that we've all been there at some point. The last person we see is, is the Good Samaritan. Now, we've touched on this already, but it's important that Jesus uses the Samaritan here because this analogy, this, this connection would have been earth-shattering for the people that heard it. Who is your neighbour? Well, for the Jews, the, their neighbour was a fellow Jew, quite literally their neighbour, someone of faith, but that was it. And so Jesus is challenging that question there, who is my neighbour? Well, 
In this case, the neighbor is my enemy. Not just the Jew to the Samaritan, the Samaritan to the Jew. They hated each other, not just one way. And so it makes the story even more compelling that the Samaritan was the man that stopped to help the man on the side of the road. But what we see in the story is that he saw through the prejudice. He saw through his own fears to be able to see the man on the side of the road and help him. It wasn't as simple as him just seeing someone in need, but he actually had to see through some of his own issues to be able to help the man. And then we see a really clear picture of how we're to treat our neighbour. The Samaritan goes above and beyond for what the man needed. Not only does he stop, he tends to his wounds, he puts him on his own animal, which would imply that he then walked the journey while, his man was, while this man was carried on his own donkey. He took him to an inn, he paid the innkeeper, he said, do whatever you need to help this man and I'll pay you further to help him. Above and beyond. So my question this morning is, have we, do you go above and beyond for people that are in need? And we touched on it earlier, but everyone's road from Jerusalem to Jericho can look different. And so the above and beyond can look very different depending on what the circumstance is. No one's saying that you need to pay for someone's accommodation and and tend to their wounds because that may not be what they need in that moment. But it can be as simple as, as a phone call and maybe a catch-up or a text message and a phone call. Someone messaged me this week that I haven't spoken to in a while. I am not ashamed to admit that my first thought was of someone that I hadn't spoken to in a while. And I thought, this person's taken time out of their day to just message me and say, hey, how's it going? Heard you're about to have a baby. Congratulations. And my first thought which is probably bad, was I haven't spoken to this other person. It wasn't about the person who spoke to me. But the first thing I did was message that other person to say, hey, how's life? And I could have sent that message whenever I wanted. There was nothing special about that time in the afternoon. But there was always an excuse. There was always some reason why I couldn't do it at another time. But I had to see through what was happening in my workday, set aside some time and do that. There was a sacrifice involved. When the man paid money from his own pocket, when he gave him his own donkey, when he healed him with wine and oil, there was a sacrifice that that man made to go above and beyond for the person. So what does going above and beyond look like? Well, you're the only person that's going to know that in the moment. I can't tell you what that is. But this parable is quite a simple one and I'm not going to talk for very much longer and I don't want to confuse it any further than I have to. But to live filled with the Spirit right now, to live an eternal life in our current day and age, it's quite simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your body and love your neighbour as yourself. Your neighbour is everyone, your enemy, your friend, your physical neighbour, the chance encounter of someone you bump into on the street. Jesus is telling us how to live in eternity right now. It's quite a simple message. And a lot of Jesus' ministry 
was built around opportunities that he took a hold of. Feeding the 5,000 was an opportunity for him to show his power because he was there for lunch and so was everyone else and so he used that space. Now you could say, well, Jesus manufactured those opportunities. Well then, you manufacture some opportunities. Go out of your way to create space and create time to be able to engage with someone else. Create opportunities to go out of your way for people in your life. We're called to drop the excuses that will continue to come up. There's always going to be an excuse. Always. And in fact, it feels even easier in this day and age to have an excuse, right? Like, it literally can't be any easier. I've got a sore throat. I can't leave the house for a week. We're called to drop the excuses. And we're called to see the man on the side of the road. We're called to see our neighbour on the side of the road, whatever that looks like for them. To go above and beyond, which looks different for everyone. So we're going to do something this morning that will give us an opportunity to do that. Now, let me just start by saying that this is not to make anyone feel bad. It's not to condemn anyone. But it is to keep each other accountable. Because otherwise, why else are we here, right? We're here as a church community to grow in our relationship with God. God's giving us a direction, so why wouldn't we keep each other accountable to that? So Mark's going to play some music, which is a surprise. And there's going to be uh, some cards and some pens out the front here. And I'm encouraging you to come, take a card, take a pen. I want you to write someone's name down that you can go above and beyond for this week whatever that looks like for you. And then I want you to give that card to the person sitting next to you. And next week I want everyone to go and find the person that was sitting next to you and ask them the question, did you do this for this person this week? Is that all right? Good. Now it's going to be hard if you're sitting next to your partner or your, your partner. Well, no, actually, yeah, it's too easy, in fact. That's the, and so you know what? I'm going to change it right now on the spot. I don't want you to give it to the person you're sitting next to. I want you to go and find someone else in the room and swap cards with them. Everyone good with that? Yeah. Great. Cards, pens. Someone you can go above and beyond for this week. Someone who you can see on the side of the road in their time of need. And I encourage you to pray Pray about it because it can be hard for us to see the things that we can't see, right? But God sees everything. And we just pray that God would reveal to us someone in our life that needs to be seen. I'm just gonna pray quick and then. Jesus, um, we just thank you that we serve a God who, who sees us on the side of the road. Whatever that looks like for us and whatever our road looks like, the God we love and serve sees us where we are and we pray this morning that you would reveal to us someone in our life, someone in our circle of friends that needs us to see them, that needs us to go above and beyond for them in this time. We wanna live in a life of eternity right now with you, Lord, not just when we come to meet you in heaven, but we wanna bring heaven here on earth. We wanna live with you in our lives.
and you've given us clear instructions for that. So we just pray that you would reveal to us as we just spend some time reflecting this morning, someone in our life who needs us to go above and beyond for them. 